Hi folks, Ken Weinstein here. As usual, plenty of national security issues are making the headlines. Last Friday, the Director of National Intelligence told Congress that he would no longer deliver in-person election security briefings, raising questions about lawmakers' ability to conduct oversight as election day approaches. Meanwhile, during his visit to Kenosha, Wisconsin this week, President Trump called the recent violence in that city following the police killing of Jacob Blake domestic terror, a term we've been hearing a lot about in the wake of the protests. I talk about all this and more with Lisa Monaco on the newest episode of the United Security Podcast. Today, we are sharing a clip with listeners of Stay Tuned with Preet to listen to our full conversation and to access all of the Cafe Insider content. Try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid .edu email qualify for a discount at cafe.com slash student. That's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. Okay, why don't we shift gears and start looking at uh, the issue of domestic terrorism. Uh, And it's important to talk about that because the word terrorism and terrorist has an important meaning, both rhetorically and politically, but also legally. We've heard a good bit of talk recently about different groups and whether these groups, which might be involved in some of the more violent activities and protests that we're seeing around the country, whether these groups are terrorist groups or not. And I thought I'd start just with an understanding of what terrorism means. And under the law, there's a definition for international terrorism and definition for domestic terrorism. But terrorism basically is this. It's It comprises acts which are dangerous to human life that are against the law, and those acts are appeared to be intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population, to influence the policy of the government through intimidation or coercion or violence, or to affect the conduct of the government, what the government does by engaging in mass destruction, assassination, kidnapping, etc. And so that is the general nature of, of terrorism. It's not just a legal activity, it's a legal activity with that kind of purpose. And just to sort of lay out a good example, um, you know, Timothy McVeigh, who blew up the, the federal building in Oklahoma, you know, he was upset about what the government had done in, in Waco and Ruby Ridge and overreaching by the, the federal government. Um, he saw that our government is oppressive, he had problems with the U.S. foreign policy, and he wanted to trigger an uprising against the federal government, and that's why he engaged in that brutal attack on innocent people, that seems like a paradigmatic um, example of a terrorist act. And the question is whether some of these groups that we're seeing now and that we're hearing about now in in the news are terrorist groups or not terrorist groups. And one of the ones that we've discussed recently, uh, we've heard a lot about in the press, is the group called Antifa. And I think just recently, um, at the end of May, President tweeted that the U.S. would be designating Antifa as a terrorist organization. So let me tee that up. And what do you make of that, Lisa? Yeah. So, you know, the, as you said, the president said he's going to be designating Antifa as a terrorist organization. I think the kind of force of that was basically a simply a Twitter post because there's no actual mechanism in our law to designate a domestic group a terror organization. So that's, I think, the the first point. You know, the Attorney General, uh, Attorney General Barr has referred to Antifa 
as a new form of, quote, guerrilla warfare, unquote. And he described it as insinuating itself into demonstrations and provoking violence. He also, in a interview that I read, he used kind of a weird fish metaphor referring to how Mao Zedong described terrorism. It's a form of, of sort of, it's a new form of urban guerrilla warfare. You know, Mao used to speak, Mao Zedong uh, used to speak about the guerrilla being like fish swimming in the ocean, the way the gorilla moves through the people. The, the, the gorilla hides out among the people as a fish in the, in the ocean. That was uh, a little bit strange. But look, the bottom line here is the experts who have really looked at this and um, tried to examine Antifa have assessed that it's a loosely affiliated group of far-left anti-fascism activists it's not an organization with a clear structure or defined membership, and it's more of a, a, a movement with a shared philosophy and tactics, and the philosophy is one of anti-fascism and the kind of campaign against what they define as authoritarianism or xenophobia or racism, and it's really gained a lot of attention after the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in, in 2017. So it's, on the one hand, I think it's hard to think about it as the same type of organizations that we think about when we think about designating terrorism organizations like Al-Qaeda or ISIS, which have leadership structures that our intelligence community has identified and can, can assign. I mean, you and I know because we spent many, many years looking at intelligence and working uh, across the intelligence community to understand the leadership structure of Al-Qaeda you know, who are the operations commanders, who are the training commanders, um, who are the plotters and the planners. We don't have that when we uh, are talking about the, the types of groups that you just referenced. So I think it poses a real challenge, the type of rhetoric that we're seeing coming out of President Trump and Attorney General Barr is, it feels to me like it's trying to have rhetorical force, but it is less rooted in actually meeting a kind of legal definition of a, of a terrorist group. I think the last thing I'd say is, I think that the, we ought to be labeling and assigning you know, clear labels to actions that happen, to behavior that happens, uh, and we ought to call that uh, what it is. Yeah, and I think you, uh, you referenced an interesting point. You talked about Attorney General Barr quoting Mao Zedong, which is not a usual source of quotes for <laughs> yeah. high-level government officials in the United States. Yeah. But his his point was a, a valid one in the sense that, obviously, you know, the vast majority of the people going to the protests, um, I think, all went out to protest to, to to make a point, which is is in line with the American tradition of expressing oneself freely. Uh, there were some number of people who engaged in violence and who did uh, use the protests as an opportunity to engage in violence, whether that was looting or uh, physical violence against the police, what have you. And then the question is, is that act, to your point, is that act a terrorist act? And if it's a terrorist act, is it being done on behalf of a, of a definable group? And um, that's a tough one. It's tough to, 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 to say that there was one group that was organized specifically or organize itself specifically to 
engage in violence in order to make a public statement. Right, to influence, to again, meet the definition of of terrorism that you outlined, I think very well, Ken, at the start, you know, to engage in that violence, to intimidate a civilian population and to influence uh, the policy of the government. Importantly, through mass destruction, kidnapping, and assassination, right? That's that's the definition that our that our laws assign to terrorist acts, right? So I, I think we just have to be very precise. I, you know what caught my eye also, Ken, recently is uh, also in the breaking news category, a former Trump official. This was the uh, a woman by the name of Elizabeth Newman, who was the assistant secretary within the Department of Homeland Security. She was the Assistant Secretary for Counterterrorism and Threat Prevention at DHS. She made news in the last week by saying that the White House failed to take domestic extremism and specifically what she characterized as right-wing extremism. They failed to take that seriously. And, And she has said, she told NPR quite specifically with regard to Antifa, she told NPR, the threat of, and this is a quote, the threat of domestic terrorism is not from Antifa, it is from these right-wing movements. Somewhat associated with peaceful protests is Antifa. And yet, if you look at the arrests that have occurred in the protests of, of the summer, it's the Boogaloo movement, or it's an association with QAnon, it's the right side of the spectrum, it is not Antifa. So... It's made all the more complicated by the fact that now we're we're putting these assessments. Uh, it feels like also through a little bit of a partisan lens, and and I think that's unfortunate too. Right, and there are some of these groups out there who are sort of, to put simplistically, sort of on the right side of the political spectrum. Right. Yeah, and we should talk about those. Right. That's Boogaloo and and QAnon. Those come to mind. Yeah, exactly. So Boogaloo is this movement that's come to the fore recently, in particular since the Black Lives Matter movement has gotten traction over the last few months since the murder of George Floyd. Um, and if this group, loosely affiliated people who sort of agree with gun ownership and carrying guns openly um, and who advocate generally for some sort of uprising against the overreaching federal government. And these folks have shown up at the various protests around the country and um, oftentimes carrying firearms. And their idea, purportedly, is to try to foment a revolution to break down what they see as a repressive and oppressive federal government. That's Boogaloo. Um, You also have QAnon, which we've heard a lot about recently, in part because the president made some statements that um, seem to cozy up to QAnon a little bit. QAnon is definitionally, it's, you know, a, a movement, once again, that um, seems like a fringe phenomenon. It's a specifically pro-Trump conspiracy theory uh, that puts out notions that the president was actually, the President Trump specifically, was asked by a group of military generals to come in and save the country from a criminal conspiracy of people on the left who are Satan worshiping and engaged in uh, child sex trafficking and the like, and the people who were identified as being responsible for that are Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, George Soros, and the like. And according to this QAnon conspiracy theory, Trump has been brought in specifically to do battle with these evil forces, and it's up to them to spread the word and solicit support for the president's efforts. And it's actually it's actually catching. I mean, down in Georgia just recently, a woman who is a professed QAnon believer just won the primary in a very conservative district 
uh, for Congress. And so presumably that person is going to be elected on election day and is going to be in the U.S. Congress professing this QAnon conspiracy theory. Yeah, and, and President Trump, I think, has called her a, a rising star, right, in the Republican Party. Right. And and back to what I said at the outset, um, when asked about QAnon um, and when given the opportunity to say they're a bunch of crackpots and shouldn't be listened to, the president actually sort of said, well, um, I know they're uh, gaining in popularity and I know they like me very much, uh, which he appreciates. And then he said that... Uh, these are people that don't, don't like, like seeing what's going on in places like Portland and places like Chicago and New York and other cities and states. And uh, I've heard these are people that love our country and they just don't like seeing it. Look, to say it's fringe is, is uh, I think, an understatement. I mean, what the definition that you just rattled off about QAnon is is really just bizarre. You see kind of how our the the organization that you and I used to work for, the FBI, is it poses real challenge for how to kind of think about these organizations, right? So the FBI had uh, put out an intelligence bulletin where they did classify QAnon as a fringe political entity of sorts. And, you know, it's how do you inform the public about uh, and your partners in state and local law enforcement and at Homeland Security kind of fusion centers, right? These are the state organizations with Homeland Security responsibility. How do you talk about these uh, these entities and it really have a have a nomenclature about how to think about them when they when they really do involve really such kind of bizarre theories, right? And conspiracy theories. It, I think it's a real challenge for our former agency. Yeah, it is a challenge. And look, it's a challenge to look at any of these groups that are engaged in anything that's either potential violence or real stone-cold violence and decide whether they should be considered terrorists or a terrorist group or not. And another example of that issue is with MS-13, which is this gang that was recently charged. I hope you've enjoyed this sample from the United Security Podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid .edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.